Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL with you, joined by our outstanding team reporter, Charlie Potter. By the way, I think it's time we go ahead and elevate Charlie Potter right now to Senior Team Reporter. I'm going to go ahead and do that. I haven't checked with Tim Watts or anybody else, but I'm going to go ahead and add Senior to that. I mean, the guy's been with us for a number of years now. He does an outstanding job. Charlie, what do you think as uh, we get this Sunday edition of the Bama Online Podcast going? I, I think that's befitting of you at this point. I'm all for it, uh, especially <laughs> if, you, if you tell Tim, and that means some some extra money in my pocket. I'm definitely all for it. But honestly, though, I mean, this this year's different um, because we haven't been able to go up to the, the Mount Moore facility. But when you look around the room, um, you know, there are – you know, fewer and fewer guys that have been there longer yeah. than me now. Um, that's the realization you come to whenever you you see who's asking questions and then posting stories and all that. So, um, you know, I still consider myself one of the young guys because there's been guys that have been doing this forever, yourself included. But um, no, it's it's uh, you know, I'm, if, if you'll Tim, you'll take it. Yeah, yeah. If Tim is willing to, to to join in on that. I'm I'm all for it. So now, in addition to serving in my role with BOL, I'm also the agent for some of our staff members, it sounds like I'm going to, I don't take much, Charlie, just 3%. I mean, but we can negotiate that number as well, but Charlie, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. And even though it is a Sunday, we can go ahead and just say it's game week finally. Right. I mean, it's close enough at this point. Yeah. I mean, I've spent, you know, outside of watching NFL games, I've spent the day just kind of getting ready for, for Monday, because that first day of the, the game week, whenever you have interviews and stuff, it's, it's hectic. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a little different because we'll be doing it from home, but you know, you have the depth chart coming out, you have Nick Saban, you have players, uh, they'll be on the practice field. So it's, uh, you know, after a, a long kind of break, and I know they've been practicing, you get into that schedule that you're really used to and you can, you know, set your watch to. So, uh, that, that first Monday of the season is an exciting one. I know a lot of people always are excited to see that depth chart. And I know, I think we'll talk about that here in a minute, but, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta have to do a lot to get ready. And I think the Sunday, yeah, it, it definitely is a part of game week, especially how you look at the, the calendar. Some people consider Sunday the beginning of the week and, yeah, we've been waiting for this for a long time. We've seen a couple of weeks of college football, and you know we can we can go ahead and give ourselves an extra day of the game week. Why not? Yeah, you know these first couple of weeks, it's almost been like when you get to the theater and there feels like there's an hour of trailers for upcoming <laughs> movies, you know that you have to sit through before you get to the 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 feature film that you're there for. You know, Academy Award worthy type of 
uh, production. That's what it's felt like these last couple of weeks. It's nice to know that Southeastern Conference football is cranking up. Of course, Alabama traveling to Missouri. So, yeah, we'll get into some depth chart related items as we move through the podcast. And again, this is just after the early games on Sunday in the National Football League, which, look, just with all the Alabama guys, Charlie, I know you track this throughout the day. With all these Alabama guys in the league, it, it feels like game day from the Alabama perspective because really from noon till, what, 10, 11 o'clock on Sunday night, you usually have something to keep up with when it comes to the Bama alums. Oh, no doubt. It's it's 10 to 11 hours of just nonstop Alabama recruiting graphics. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is a, you know, if I could almost start or we could have almost a completely different writer just to cover the Alabama players yeah. uh, in the NFL, just because there's there's almost 60 guys in the league. And you just look at the, the noon games on Sunday and. Uh, you had you know, the the Cowboys and the Falcons, which boy, that was just a, another meltdown by Atlanta. But you had Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones in the same game. Those are guys that can easily get 100 receiving yards every time they step on the field. I know Calvin Ridley had two more touchdowns, and you just look across the league, and there's so many guys out there uh, that are doing well for their teams, that are starters and big time contributors. And um, you know, it's going to continue throughout the afternoon. You have Monday Night Football where. You know, Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs are going to be playing the Saints, and it's just um, it's, it's another busy day in terms of just covering this Alabama beat with seeing how much these guys are playing and how successful they are at the next level. No doubt about it, and it's certainly been some news for this Alabama football team as we've moved into the final weekend here uh, without SEC football, looking ahead to opening weekend uh, this upcoming week, and uh, not all of it, not all of it positive. Uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast from a COVID perspective, uh, it seems to have been a favorable run up to this point for Alabama in terms of dealing with the, the virus and as much as anything, the contact tracing that comes with this stuff. Uh, we've seen that impact on, you know, other programs around college football, around the Southeastern conference, even Missouri coming up. We learned late last week or in the middle of last week that, Looked like Missouri was going to be without at least 12 players for that matchup with uh, Alabama. But then you do learn, and we reported, of course, there at BamaOnline.com on the injury to the junior college cornerback, Charlie, Ronald Williams, uh, apparently with an arm injury that required surgery. Is that your understanding? Yeah, it seemed like he broke his arm. And, um, you know, that's knock on wood the, the biggest injury of, of the preseason. I know we've had guys like Ali Caho and, and Christian Barmore that have been out for a few days in practice. Um, you know, guys have missed practice with little nicks and bruises. And of course you have uh, the pandemic going on, but this is the the biggest one. Uh, and, and, you know, a broken arm isn't an ACL or anything like that, but he's going to miss some time. And, um, you know, he's a guy that probably got some more opportunities of late, but a lot of that has to do with other guys, like I said, dealing with bumps and bruises. I know um, you, you can look at just the, the pictures and the videos that Alabama puts out in practice and guys like Josh Job and, and Marcus Banks have been either in black jerseys or not out there. So, um, you know, it's a, a position group that was already pretty thin and uh, one that's been dealing with, you know, some scrapes and, and things like that. But, um, you know, he's a guy that was going to, at the very least, provide depth. I think he's someone that could play it at corner of star. I think there are a few guys ahead of him, but, you know, he was getting an opportunity because of, like I said, uh, guys ahead of him that were dealing with some, some things of their own. And, um, you know, we'll probably get, 
more confirmation and maybe a timeline for his return from Nick Saban tomorrow when he speaks at noon. But, um, you know, that's the, that's the latest on, on Ronald Williams and you'll know, we'll see and, and hope that he has a, a pretty quick recovery. Yeah. So much to learn still about this football team going into game week, because unlike previous preseasons, as we know, we've had a presence, you, me, uh, our staff at BamaOnline.com, pretty much on a daily basis in terms of media viewing periods, at least getting an idea of who's available, who's maybe dealing with some issues. Uh, that hasn't been the case this preseason. So I got to think pregame warmups on Saturday evening there in Columbia, Missouri, might be as revealing as any we've ever encountered in covering Alabama Crimson Tide football. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, that <laughs> I plan on being at the stadium as early as I can be just to, to do that. And you know, traveling and being at games this year is going to be completely different because we don't get to talk to them after the game like we normally would in a press conference setting. And, you know, the players just spread out and, and you know, ping ponging around to get as many quotes as you can. They'll be just like what we've seen the last several weeks and months of Zoom interviews. And you could do that from home, honestly. But like you just said, I think the importance of being there and, and seeing these guys arrive at the stadium, see who all travels to Columbia because the travel roster is obviously smaller than a, a home game roster and seeing who's just available, I think is going to be um, one of the most intriguing things in this first game because we haven't been able to be out there. Now, Alabama sent out some footage and photos and I know we're very appreciative of that, but you know, they're also very keen on not revealing too much and that's completely understandable too. So no, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes uh, here next weekend. And, um, you know, just from a, a personnel standpoint, yeah, I mean, injuries are, are tough to uh, report on because you don't know why guys are missing practice. They could be missing practice for a myriad of reasons, whether they tested positive, like you said, contact tracing, you know, they're dealing with a minor injury. It's just there's a lot of gray area right now. And, and finally getting to the season will be, you know, a little bit of a sigh of relief to just kind of see who's dealing with what and, and who's available. Yeah, I don't think Alabama really has to explain itself in terms of shutting out the media, you know, this time around in the midst of a pandemic when it comes to things like media viewing periods. But I also think in doing so, uh, it, it, it helps Alabama in terms of the chatter and the buzz on a daily basis because you anticipate so many different moving pieces, moving parts with the roster because of COVID, because of testing, because of contact tracing. I mean, could you imagine the daily practice reports if we did have the media viewing periods, Charlie, based on who's been in and out of workouts in all likelihood? I, I, I don't think Nick Saban minds that there hasn't been that sort of day-to-day -day sort of uh, discussion about who's in, who's out, I would think. No, I, I don't think he has a problem with it. And I'll say this, um, you know, Nick Saban is a big reason why we still had the viewing periods whenever, yeah. you know, we, we had a normal season. I think if it were up to Alabama's media relations staff, we would have been kicked out a long time ago. But <laughs> I, I think that's one of the big misconceptions is that Saban is actually a proponent of that because it, it goes back to his NFL days. You have the media out there. Uh, you know, in the NFL practices, they're out there for a lot longer, sometimes the entire practice. So he gives us uh, a little bit. And I think, you know, once everything returns to normal, that we'll be able to be back out there, fingers crossed. But no, I mean, just with the moving parts, like you said, and everything going on, 
um, it would be one difficult to keep up with on a daily basis. And you would have to have a checklist basically when you go in there every day. And then two, it does help, uh, Alabama with, you're just getting ready for a game and, and keeping its opponents on his toes. Yeah. Press opportunities would turn into just COVID calls, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, there would be so many questions about, well, where's so-and-so who's in, who's out. It would be so little about what the actual football going on is about too. And you're right. I, I we've talked about this before. Coaches actually, I mean, everything is by design with football coaches. Okay. If they let you into a practice and they let you into a pr- practice at a specific time during the workout, it's because they think it can help them. Uh, in some ways, maybe it's the fundamental periods essentially that we see more than anything else when, you know, some of the most basic concepts of football are, are, are the drills that are underway, but the coaches like the media being there because it ups the level of accountability with the players uh, in some of those periods where typically they'd rather just sort of sleepwalk through the stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's all by design and yeah, it, it'll still be very fascinating to see, exactly again what uh what alabama looks like uh come up coming up on saturday night now some things that you know we talk about the the roster but man in the wake of this news of mike norvell the head coach at florida state we've learned here in the last couple of days he tested positive for covid19 as a result charlie he will not be on the sidelines with the seminoles on saturday night when they travel to miami And it got me to thinking about some contingency sort of plans for this Alabama coaching staff, if it were to come down to it. And I think that's where you have a luxury at Alabama with a staff as as large as it is, not just in terms of on the field, but obviously from a support staff perspective, whether that's strength and conditioning and certainly from an uh, analyst role perspective. Uh, What about it? I mean, if Nick Saban were to – uh, for any reason, have to miss a game. Who do you think would be next man up as as the interim if it were to come down? I know Alabama fans don't even want to consider this, but the Norvell deal got me to thinking about it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they have some kind of contingency plan in place. I mean, Nick Saban is one of the most organized human beings on planet Earth, and uh, he's also one of the, the the guys that probably takes the most care of himself. So I think he's he's very mindful of that. Um, but, you know, you look at it and like you said, luxury is the word just that comes to mind because of all the experience they have on that staff at, at all levels. And just the, the 10 on-field assistants, you look at you have guys like Steve Sarkeesian and, and Kyle Flutter, former head coaches. Uh, you look at just guys uh, titles on the coaching staff and, and Charles Huff, the running backs coach, is the associate head coach. So I, I think they have options. And then that's not even including guys like Charlie Strong. Uh, Major Applewhite, some of the guys that are analysts on this team. Uh, Mike Stoops. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you have a ton of experience um, just from a head coaching perspective. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that you would maybe want to keep as much um, continuity as you can and still have Sark maybe call in place. So maybe that is where you have Charles Huff step into that position because he does have that title as associate head coach. I, I don't know. I mean, that's something we could probably ask Saban this week. Uh, I know he loves hypothetical questions, but it is also <laughs> in this in this realm oh, that we're in. Especially that right one, Charlie. Yeah. Oh gosh. But I mean, like you said, it is timely because of what's happening, and I think he would probably have a pretty interesting answer. He might, you know, 
uh, have some kind of funny or, or heated retort, but I think he would answer it in an interesting way. But no, I think having said all that, uh, the biggest thing, like you said, is just the luxury of having options. So, I mean, I would probably give the, the nod to someone like Sark, but again, I think just you would want to try to keep as much continuity as you, as you can and have him still call in place. So maybe Charles Huff is a dark horse. Yeah, maybe it's interesting with the titles because so many of these guys, as much as anything for, for pay scale reasons, mm-hmm. have assistant and associate titles these days. Uh, and so you still aren't sure exactly what the, the hierarchy is when it comes down. There's been years now, there's been previous years where if it wasn't Saban, you could almost figure it would be maybe a Burton Burns, right? Uh, yeah. For all those years, or maybe it would have been more, most likely a Kirby Smart. Um, you know those type of situations. Uh, this staff, I don't think it's as abundantly clear who that guy would be. I mean, Kyle Flood's been a Power Five head coach, so again, probably more so because there are so many options to choose from. Maybe it's not as apparent. Uh, but you're right. I, I don't know how much Nick would appreciate that one in, in terms of. Uh, <laughs> in terms of that type of uh, question. And so, uh, you know, I'll say this for Saban. This is also a point, as crazy as it sounds, where his age might benefit him because he doesn't have young people living in his house. You know what I mean? Right now, it's Nick and Miss Terry. That's it. Guys like Mike Norvell, guys like Kirby Smart, guys like Jeremy Pruitt, they all have kids and families, and it sounds like maybe Norvell contracted it that way. Um, and, and who knows? Maybe there's a bunker we don't know about. As a part of that new sports science center over there <laughs> off Bryant Drive, you think maybe there's a, a Saban bunker that they can put him in in times like these. But uh, just something we wanted to consider here on the podcast. Again, I know Alabama fans probably would rather not hear that. Charlie, as we do get back to the roster again, as we move into game week here, for the 2020 season wanted to ask you about areas of this team where you think going into this week, there is little to no competition more so among starters, starting roles, but even some, some primary areas where even from a depth perspective, you feel like things are pretty well locked in. Where would you sort of start with that on offense, defense, you take your pick there. I think for me, just when I, I think of uh, a position group that's pretty set, I would I would lean toward running back to begin with. You know, Najee Harris, I think everyone knows, is going to be that number one back. I think you know you could kind of see how it goes at the number two position. They feel good about Brian Robinson, and now Trey Sanders is is fully healthy. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. And then you know, just from a depth standpoint. I think several of the freshmen that came in uh, have done a nice job. I've heard a lot of good things about Roy Dell Williams, the in-state back. And that's probably your 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 pecking order of four running backs there. I think Jace McClellan's a guy that could also I see some playing time. Maybe um, all three of the freshmen play on on special teams. So for me, I, I've, I've leaned toward running back just from a, a, a safety standpoint. Um, you know, you look at receiver Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddle. I mean, those guys are starters. I think John Mechie, even that number three spot, uh, uh, maybe the, the competition there is, has simmered down and, and he's kind of locked himself in there. I think really what happens at the fourth receiver spot with guys like Slade Bolden and Javon Baker, maybe even Xavier Williams. Um, from that perspective, they're just kind of 
jockeying for position as that next guy on the field. And then, um, you know, offensive line, there, there's moving parts, but you know guys like Alex Leatherwood, Landon Dickerson, Deontay Brown, Evan Neal are going to be there. I think the tackles are locked in. Deontay Brown's going to be at one guard spot. Really, all you have to figure out is, you know, how you or where you want to play Landon Dickerson and do you want to play Chris Owens or Darian Dalcourt at center and maybe Emil Ekior at, at guard. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball, I think inside linebackers pretty locked in with Dylan Moses and, and uh, Christian Harris. Uh, I know guys like Josh McMillan, Shane Lee, Ali Caho, Jalen Moody, those guys all had pretty good preseasons, but Christian Harris was able to fight them off pretty well, it sounds like. And then I think in the secondary of healthy, you know, Josh Job. Um, is probably going to be the starter opposite of Patrick Sertain. You know he's going to be there. And the safeties really with Jordan Battle and, and Daniel Wright haven't moved much. So there's a lot of places. Um, you know, up front the defensive line, LeBron Ray, DJ Dale, I think have locked themselves into spots. I think what happens at defensive end opposite of Ray is interesting. Um, yeah, I think with Christian Barmore's injury, Justin Aboyby is a guy that can see a lot of playing time. Uh, but, you know, th- there's just – I think from the roster standpoint, there's a lot of spots that are shaping up and, and starting to, to take form. Um, I think there's still some competition going on at various places, but for the most part, uh, it, it's pretty easy to predict. Would you say tight end is also another one of those spots? I mean, it seems obviously Miller Forstall is that guy. And then maybe Carl Tucker to go along with him. Would, would you consider tight end uh, in, in that mix as well? Uh, when, when you look on the offensive side of the ball? I think Miller Forstall is, is obviously the starter. But after that, I, I think they could play multiple players. I think Carl mm-hmm. Tucker coming in as that grad transfer uh, gives you a, a, an extra blocker. I think Major Tennyson is a guy that's con- going to continue to see the field. And then a couple of young guys with Jalil Billingsley and, and Cameron Latou have done some nice things. I've continuously heard their names during during fall camp and in some of the scrimmages. So uh, Miller, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a slam dunk. But after that, it, it gets really tough for me just because basically is it a run play or a, or a pass play? At that mm-hmm. point, I think Carl Tucker is going to be, like I said, that, that blocking tight end. And after that, uh, I think they feel really good about a few players. I know tight end is a position that uh, Alabama fans are, are a little worried about, but I think they have some pretty good depth there and some young guys they feel um, you know can do a lot of good things in Billingsley and, and Latou. Yeah, it could be situational, as you sort of outlined there. Uh, once you get past Miller, you love Miller, especially if he can stay healthy, because he gives you so much flexibility within your schemes. I mean, you can sit in that 11 personnel with a back and – Miller on the field together and you can transition to some spread looks because Miller has some flexibility that way. And then once you get beyond him, you're right. I think you do become a little bit more situational in terms of how you go about using your personnel. Now, what about quarterback? Are we going to, we going to go ahead and say that's a, a slam dunk or are we going to save that one for after the break and maybe include it in some areas where competition's going to extend beyond the opener. How are we going to do that one, Charlie? I honestly think it can fit in both. I know that's wishy-washy, but Mac Jones, it's so strange because we talked to Mac Jones before fall camp started. We never talk to quarterbacks when there's a competition going on. Mac Jones uh, was on CBS Sports Radio. He talked to Zach Gelb uh, a week or so ago. And then this weekend he appeared on SEC Nation. That's the most we've heard 
uh, from a quarterback that wasn't the full-time starter uh, the year before under Nick Saban, or at least since I've been covering the team. Um, you know, they usually bring those guys up when they're uh, fully solidified as the starter. Uh, I know the the year that uh, Tua and Jalen were duking it out in the offseason, they brought them both up for uh, media day slash fan day at Brian Denny Stadium. We obviously didn't have that this year, but that was the last time we heard from them until you know the season started. So I think that says a lot about where Mac Jones stands right now. Uh, but I also think that Bryce Young is talented enough and is going to get that experience that he didn't get in the offseason to where it can fit into that second category that you just mentioned as well. Yeah, so we'll maybe carry that over into the next segment. But we certainly have some areas of this Alabama team that we're going to get to coming up next where, again, competition likely to extend beyond the season opener with Missouri and some basketball talk, perhaps, as we wrap things up on the Bama Online Podcast. First, though, a break and then more of the BOL pod right here, right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back with more of the Bama Online podcast. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL, joined by our outstanding team reporter, Charlie Potter. And Charlie, in the previous segment, we touched on some areas of this Alabama football team heading into depth chart Monday. Or maybe we should refer to that, of course, as, what is it, organizational groupings, I think, that Nick likes to call them. Uh, but some areas of this football team, even beyond Missouri and moving into perhaps Texas A&M week uh, and, and on, where you expect some competition, we expect some competition to continue on. And based on our thoughts on, on, on areas where that look pretty well set, I'm going to guess we're going to be looking more at the defensive side of the ball, maybe even the kicking game a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the the defensive side of the ball, I think you start with the star position, and it looks like a couple of freshmen have really uh, made some strides there, uh, guys like Malachi Moore and, and Brian Branch. And, and Brian Branch is a player that uh, we almost essentially penciled in as a starter early on in camp because he really started to emerge and was a starter in that first scrimmage, but Malachi Moore's come on of late. And I think it's good that they have options there that some of the, the young safeties they have are showing that they can play down in the box and, and play in the slot some. And, um, I, other guys like Ronald Williams, when he's healthy can, can play there. Jalen armor Davis. And he's a guy that's been back at practice and, uh, he's an option there. A guy that came in with Patrick Sertan and Josh Job. So for me, I think what happens to stars, one of the more interesting things. And then, um, you know, <laughs> Outside linebacker, you know, for the longest time we've talked about Christopher Allen and, and Ben Davis and how they've 
you know, been the veterans of that position and have kind of led that position group through the preseason and done a nice job. And I think for the most part, they're trusted by the coaching staff. And I think, um, you know, they do a lot of good things from a, a stopping the run perspective because you have to be able to set the edge as an outside linebacker. But boy, have we heard a lot about Will Anderson and, and Drew Sanders and especially Will Anderson. I feel like after every practice, I get a text message or, or see something about Will Anderson just doing unbelievable things in practice. And, you know, it's almost unfair because you're at a point where the season is so close and the hype is just unreal about a guy. But I'm expecting him to have a great season and potentially be a guy that's pushing for a starting job. I mean, when we get that depth chart tomorrow, one of the first things outside of quarterback, obviously, that I'm going to be looking at is where is Will Anderson on this depth chart? Is he, you know, sharing the first line with one of these veteran guys? Is he alone? up there uh, is he second in line where is he at just because he's been a terror um as things go and then you know, like i said i think uh on the defensive line you know just what happens from a depth perspective lebron ray and dj dale are going to be your starters and i think they feel really good about what guys like justin and boygby have, have done in the preseason but it, it's much deeper it's a much deeper group than it has been and i'm just really uh, intrigued to see how that whole pecking order kind of shakes out rotations right that's what's going to be interesting at some of those areas on the defensive side of the ball, whether you're talking about corner because how that could impact not just those positions, but maybe star, although it sounds like the option there is going to be uh, someone with a safety background, perhaps uh, Malachi Moore, perhaps Brian Branch, both those guys, uh, primary roles are those of safeties. I really like that Malachi Moore and I have all along has that background at both safety and corner, which told you, you know, he had an opportunity at one of those sub roles like star to really make an impact early on uh, branch kind of that way, whether it's star or, or dime, although you've got DeMarco Hellams in that mix as well as a second year player for the money position in the six defensive backs. Uh, but the defensive line, if I told you today, that the top six were going to be LeBron Ray, DJ Dale, Justin Aboyby slash Christian Barmore, Byron Young, and Fedarian Mathis. Would you buy that as being the top six in that defensive line rotation for Missouri, Charlie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's how I had it on this projected dead chart I put up earlier this weekend. And um, I, I think there's some some guys that could push to be in that mix. Guys like Ishmael Sopcher, he really transformed his body this offseason. Uh, Stefan Wynn, I think a young guy, an incoming freshman like Tim Smith can be in the mix. But um, you look at just last year, and I know Raekwon Davis was in the mix, but all six of those guys, uh, when healthy, played a lot. Uh, Fidarian Mathis has played a lot of football. Justin Aboyby and Byron Young, even though they had to play because of injury to um, Brian Ray, um, those guys got invaluable experience last year. And, and Christian Barmore, you know, whenever he's in the right mindset, is just a tear as a pass rusher. So uh, I feel really good about that top six, just from you know that going to be the the group that we see the most of. But I think there's some young guys that could be in the mix there too. But I'm I'm definitely buying that for sure. Yeah, not to get too far ahead, but Missouri with Elijah Drinkwitz in there as the head coach. He has some time spent under Gus Malzahn and some other offensive minds. And so you can look for a lot of nickel package from Alabama on Saturday in Columbia. So whoever that star is going to be, assuming it's going to be a true freshman of some kind, you're going to see that individual out there very early on in that matchup. And uh, that means, of course, kind of you know what you're – 
what your fronts are going to look like. If you're in nickel, you're probably only going to have one outside linebacker on the field. It'll be interesting to see who that guy is. But you mm-hmm. said it with Will Anderson. I mean, imagine what the hype would have been like as much as it has been, Charlie, if media had more access to practices and things. Because even without that, you got to think pretty long and hard about a true freshman maybe on defense that we've heard this much about. I mean, there was a lot of promising talk and buzz about guys like Christian Harris last year and, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick a few years back, but. Uh, this guy in terms of hype going into a, a freshman season, I mean, for me, he's up there with Dante Hightower, uh, some of these other guys that, that Nick's had during this run. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been unreal. And one of the biggest things for me is, um, I don't think Nick Saban has been asked specifically about Will Anderson by name, but he's mentioned him mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple of times. And, and that says a lot just because, um, he doesn't really tilt his hand that much. Uh, and he was asked, um, by Eli gold yesterday, Saturday, they had like the, the radio preview shows three hours long. They talked to a bunch of people, Joe Namath. Um, and then Saban obviously was the closer and Eli asked them about, uh, Dylan Moses and, and helping out the young linebackers. And of course he mentioned Christian Harris and how important, um, Dylan is just to his development and being able to play freely. But, you know, he just went on to say, you know, they have some good young linebackers, and he thinks that some of them play. And he mentioned Will Anderson and Drew Sanders by name, uh, how they've taken a lot of snaps and progressed nicely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it will be interesting if they're in nickel, and especially in third-down situations, trying to get after the quarterback who's on the field. And I won't be surprised if it's number 31. Um, you know, that That's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing the most this weekend is just what he looks like. And, and you mentioned it. You know, I, I know we don't see a lot um, – during the media viewing periods and, and will benefits in this hypothetical situation that we're talking about here from uh, playing under Sal Sanceri, who uh, doesn't like to be filmed in practice because he's a little <laughs> loose lip with the expletives. But just think if you know we were in a normal year and they had spring practice. I mean, Will Anderson, oh, yeah. the guy that came in early and um, you know he was the guy that was, was ready then. So yeah, he, he's for sure someone I'm looking forward to watching on Saturday. Yeah. Think of it this way. Bryce Young is, one of these freshmen and eight months ago we both would have thought it would have been Bryce mania throughout Mm -hmm. the spring and preseason. And it's really been more about Will Anderson than even Bryce young. Now, some of that Bryce young's been out. Yeah. Um, but it it still is interesting when you kind of consider it from a, a couple of different perspectives. Now what we've heard from Nick Saban when asked about his kickers and punters, uh, you talk about a competition, that, that could extend uh, beyond the season opener. Uh, I think the perception is that Will Reichert's healthy. Will Reichert is going to be the guy on field goal extra points for sure. Uh, but Nick has been sure to include in there that he feels like there's still some competition going on there. And you know, I take that a couple different ways, Charlie. Uh, I think that there's probably competition when you include kickoffs in that mix. Um, but would you be surprised at this point if it's anybody other than Will Reichard who goes out there first with field goal and extra point on Saturday night? I would be, but yeah, he's, he's mentioned that twice now. Uh, he was asked specifically, specifically about Will after the second scrimmage and then Eli asked him on Saturday and he said he's doing a nice job and he's fully recovered from his injury. And, and that's been something that's, um, I think Alabama fans are, are happy to hear just because that 
the hip injury was unfortunate for him last year and, and he re-injured it in the Tennessee game and had to miss the rest of the year. And he said he's been consistent in kicking. Um, you know, I know he missed a 55 yarder in the second scrimmage, but it sounds like he hit a couple of 50 plus yarders in the first scrimmage and he has been consistent. And we know with Will, uh, he missed a few long field goals yes, um, last year, but anything 35 yards and in, he was making. So you know, that's what you want. Uh, your field goal kicker do, especially as a true freshman. And I would be surprised if it's anybody else, but he hasn't come out and, and said much about Joseph Bulavos, but has said that, you know, there's a competition there and they feel like they have depth. I know there's you know, competition at the, the punter position. They have a, a few walk-ons. I think they feel pretty good about, but when it comes to just field goal kicking and, and extra points, I, I would be surprised if it's anybody else, other than Will Riker, now you know I would I wouldn't be shocked to see a guy like Bulavos go out there for uh, kickoffs or something like that. I think he can you know still have a role in that regard. But just when it comes from uh, a field goal kicking perspective and place kicking, um, yeah, I mean I would be shocked if if it's anybody other than Riker. But who knows? Yeah, you win games with fifty yarders, fifty plus yarders. That's typically the way I sort of compartmentalize field goals. You might win some games with 50, 50 plus yarders, but you know how you lose games by missing 30 yarders. So whereas I'm like everybody else, I like to hear that Riker's healthy and is is, is sort of evidence of that. He's getting there from 50, 55 yards out, but it's not those kicks that usually cost you games. Tell me about inside 40, because as we saw in Auburn last November, that kick didn't lose Alabama the game. Alabama did plenty before that kick to kind of cost itself that football game. Two pick sixes certainly factored into that. Um, but those are those are typically the distances that hurt you more than than anything else. What about punting at this point, Charlie? I mean, uh, venture to take a guess, or you, you think that we're just sort of going to draw out of a hat once we get to Saturday, or? What do you think? Is Ty P. Ryan, is he still the guy potentially, or is it, you know, is it someone else? I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse. Um, you know, his competition has been a couple of walk-ons, like I said, and, and Sam Johnson, who's a true freshman, uh, in-state kid. And then uh, Charlie Scott, the younger brother of J.K. Scott. And uh, he's not J.K. Um, he used to transfer from, from Air Force, and he was a bit of a surprise to see on that roster whenever they finally updated it before the start of preseason camp. But I think those three have been in competition. Uh, I haven't seen Scholar DeLong in any of the practice footage or any of the, the photos they put out there. I haven't heard anything about him. And if you remember earlier in the, the offseason, uh, he was taken off Alabama's roster. And then when we reported that and checked in with Alabama, they eventually put him back on there. So uh, I think the walk-ons are uh, the the main competition there, and and Will Rogers is a guy that's not in the mix. I think he's going to be an in case of emergency situation. But I would give the nod to Ty P. Ryan. But um, it sounds like the other guys have done some nice things. I think Sam Johnson's a a guy that's right there in the competition. Um, yeah, I know that you look at the various. Um, kicking services or how they rate guys and some people had him as the number two punter in the country i think um you know he's a guy that's talented and and definitely pushing a guy like pirine but we'll see um you know that i think is one of the the biggest competitions left on the roster is what happens at punter and uh, um i know alabama fans want to see them get back to to what they had under jk scott i don't know if that's possible but um you know, hopefully one of these guys can be consistent for them yeah between placements and punting i won't be surprised against missouri if you see four different guys 
I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, you see Will Reichard on field goal extra point. You kind of touched on Joe Bullivis potentially on kickoffs, and maybe even two guys, depending on the situation, handling the punting. You know, if you need to flip the field, maybe it's Ty Pirine. If you're trying to, you know, positionally punt or, you know, pins uh, Missouri deep, uh, you know, on a short field, maybe it's another guy. Who knows uh, at this point? Charlie, as we get out of here, wanted to touch on some Alabama men's hoops because it seems like in terms of expectations for Nate Oates' second team at the capstone, those continue to go up with this group, especially with John Petty coming back for a final season, Herb Jones, you combine this recruiting class, you get Javon Quinterly eligible, uh, man, you know, and good news, I guess, first and foremost, that it sounds like we have a, a pretty established start for a season, uh, not so good for this Alabama team that it'll be going to Asheville apparently instead of Maui. That's a little bit different, but, uh, you know, just kind of quickly here as we get out, just, uh, you know, where things sit. I know Nate, uh, addressed the media, uh, late last week. Yeah. We talked to him over zoom and, um, yeah, he was, he's always great with his time. He's one of the most transparent people, um, I've dealt with just from a, a media and a coaching aspect. I, I know Nick Saban is too, but like, you know, Nate will talk and he will just go on with his answers. He was really great uh, about stuff like that. And yeah, they, you know, they are, uh, the, the, the season can tip off on November 25th, which is, I think, uh, a couple weeks and some change, you know, later than the initial opening. And yeah, I mean, like you said, they were supposed to play in Maui at that Maui invitational. And now that's been moved to, to Asheville, North Carolina. And, um, he had a pretty funny line. He said something like, I've heard it's a great place, but it's not Maui, which I mean is, is very accurate. But, um, you know, I asked him uh, straight up just about the expectations because there has been a lot of hype. It hasn't been Will Anderson level hype, but, uh, the men's basketball team is, was ranked 14th nationally by the, the blue ribbon college basketball yearbook. Um, you look at just the various rankings and, um, and standings that, that have come out ahead of the season and, and they've been a popular pick there. And, um, they do have a, a decent mix of newcomers, guys that missed last season because of injuries. And then uh, a core group of returners with Herb Jones, John Petty and, and Reese and Shackelford. And, uh, he said that he thinks that they'll be much improved. And the, the biggest thing was he, he said that they think they should be competing for championships, whether that's at the SEC level from a regular season standpoint, from the SEC tournament or making a, a run in the NCAA tournament. He thinks they have the talent to do that. So they have high expectations and they're not going to shy away from those. And they think they have a, a really talented roster and a roster that fits how they want to play uh, better than the one they had last year. So if they can stay healthy and, you know, find a uh, consistent replacement from for Kyra Lewis, who's you know potentially going to be a, a lottery pick in the NBA draft whenever that happens. Um, you know, I think it'll be a, a pretty good team, the team, a, the team that's fun to watch because they have a, a lot of newcomers. And a lot of guys we haven't seen yet that are going to be big time contributors, whether that's Javon Quinterly at the point, uh, Josh Primo's done some of that in practice. We've seen Jaden, or we've heard that Jaden Shackelford has, has come a long ways in being able to play the one. Um, guys like Jordan Bruner, Alex Chiku, Keon Ellis, um, they're impressing as newcomers. So it, it should be a fun basketball team to watch. And if they can stay healthy, like I said, uh, you know, maybe they can get back to the tournament and make a run. Yeah, that Primo hype. I don't think it's going away anytime soon for that newcomer. And look, I understand it. It's not the Polynesian experience. It's the Bohemian, <laughs> more experience there in Asheville. But you know, Biscuit Head, 
it's an outstanding place to grab some breakfast if you're in the Asheville area. So make the most of it. It'll be okay. But you're right. Nate Oates, this isn't a guy who's shying away from it. He's not downplaying it. He embraces it. Uh, you know, he wants it. And it's his expectation for this program. So uh, certainly excited about the coming months, seeing what this men's basketball team can do in year two under Nate Oates. Well, I think we covered just about all of it. As we head into a game week, finally, you know, we should be putting to bed Alabama, Georgia mm-hmm. on this podcast. Instead, we're previewing Alabama, Missouri. We'll take it any way we can get it. Right, Charlie? Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. Um, the, the off season for me, especially when I started doing this, was always just so terrifying because you have to come up with stuff. You have to find ways to, to entertain you know, our loyal subscribers and I always was so happy to see the season get here because you can set your watch to it. You know what you're going to do each and every day, and then you have a game to look forward to. Sunday, you recap slash preview, and you just start it all over again. And we're finally to that point in the season. You know, fingers crossed everything goes off without a hitch, and uh, I'm looking forward to actually watching some, some football live and in person on Saturday. Absolutely, and we certainly appreciate our subscribers there at BamaOnline.com. Keep it locked to BOL. Join us at BOL, certainly on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama Crimson Tide fans. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this here podcast, the Bama Online Podcast. You can do that wherever you consume pods, whether that's Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Megaphone, simple as a click, and it's absolutely free. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here And we'll catch up with you once again on the Bama Online Podcast real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.